Let us pray. O Lord, send now your Spirit into our midst to entice us and overpower us with the strength of your word. We beg for the strength to hear your call and to live according to your will. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 1 to 18. Let us listen for God's word for us together. Some people came down from Judea teaching the family of believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom we've received from Moses, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas took sides against these Judeans and argued strongly against their position. The church at Antioch appointed Paul, Barnabas, and several others from Antioch to go up to Jerusalem to set this question before the apostles and the elders. The church sent this delegation on their way. They traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, telling stories about the conversion of the Gentiles to everyone. Their reports thrilled the brothers and sisters. When they arrived in Jerusalem, the church, the apostles, and the elders all welcomed them. They gave a full report of what God had accomplished through their activity. Some believers from among the Pharisees stood up and claimed that Gentiles must be circumcised. They must be required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After much debate, Peter stood and addressed them. Fellow believers, you know that early on, God chose me from among you as the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and come to believe. God, who knows people's deepest thoughts and desires, confirmed this by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, but purified their deepest thoughts and desires through faith. Why then are you now challenging God by placing a burden on the shoulders of these disciples that neither we nor our ancestors could bear? On the contrary, we believe that we and they are saved in the same way by the grace of the Lord Jesus. The entire assembly fell quiet as they listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God did among the Gentiles through their activity. When Barnabas and Paul also fell silent, James responded, Fellow believers, listen to me. Simon reported how, in his kindness, God came to the Gentiles in the first place to raise up from them a people of God. The prophet's words agree with this. As it is written, after this I will return and I will rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild what has been torn down. I will restore it so that the rest of humanity will seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who belong to me. The Lord says this, the one who does these things known from earliest times. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. In the scene from our text today, we learn that the early church is in the middle of growing pains. 
physical growing pains that hit children as they move into adolescence are coupled with spiritual and emotional growing pains as well. I remember pain in my bones as they grew, but I also remember the feeling of uncertainty as I began to ask those big questions. Who am I? Do I belong? What is my purpose? We see signs of all of this as the early church wrestles with itself and are seen from the book of Acts. There are physical growing pains. The church has grown large enough, its reach geographically big enough that there are lots of people from different points of view out and about preaching on the church's behalf. Just as is the case today, not everyone interpreted everything the same and so conflicts arose. Those conflicts at their core are over central questions of identity and belief. What does it take to be saved? Who belongs? What is our purpose? Who are we? What does it take to be saved? Some of the Jewish believers within the early church felt that following the law of Moses, circumcision and all, was what it took to be saved. And were preaching that message as non-Jewish Gentiles began to join the church. The gathering we witness in our text today was held to debate this question. What does it take to be saved? Peter reminds those gathered at what is now known as the Jerusalem Council that salvation by us, by our action, by our deeds was a burden humanity could never bear. In this system, the Israelites failed over and over again. Why would we place that burden on the shoulders of these new disciples, Peter asks? when it is a burden we ourselves could not bear. On the contrary, he continues, we believe that we and they are saved in the same way by the grace of the Lord Jesus. What does it take to be saved? Only one thing, the grace of our Lord Jesus. It is not up to us. It is not about what we do. If it was, we would fail over and over again, just as the Israelites did before us. Salvation comes not by us. Salvation comes by the grace of our Lord Jesus alone. Understanding the answer to the first question helps us to answer the rest. Who belongs? Everyone. The most expansive everyone you could ever imagine. Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus was raised for everyone. Everyone belongs. What is our purpose? Simply this. To share the grace of our Lord Jesus in any and every way that we can. To let that be our joyful response to this incredible gift. To be thankful and generous people. 
who seek to share Christ's grace with everyone we meet. So who are we? We are the body of Christ. The body of Christ's grace called to be at work in this world Christ so dearly loves. The grace of our Lord Jesus It is relentless. It knows no bounds. It knows no end. It will keep flowing. It will find a way into the deepest crevices, into the darkest corners. And the incredible thing is that we get to be a part of that. We get to witness it at work. We get to be a vessel, a conduit for it. I was blessed touched, filled by the grace of our Lord Jesus through two different experiences this week. In each, I had the chance to bear witness once again to Christ's relentless grace. Michael McGraw, the associate director at Heartland Camp, called me this week to ask me for some help. He had a college staffer who had asked to be baptized at camp. Because that community created there had become a family of faith to her. And as her faith had grown through her summers working there, she was ready to take that step. Michael was overjoyed by this request and told her that it sounded wonderful and asked who she wanted to bring in to baptize her. She responded by asking him if he could do it. This was her community. He was their leader. She wanted him to be the one to baptize her into the faith, if it was possible. Michael is not a pastor, at least an ordained one, and so was unsure if he could honor this request. He went to Presbytery, who approved him performing the sacrament in this instance, but just asked that a Presbyterian pastor also be present at the baptism. Which is how, last night... I ended up sitting on the edge of a swimming pool with my feet dangling in warm water, listening to my dear friend and colleague share the gospel with his staff and the family and friends who had come to witness this important step in this young woman's journey of faith. As we worshiped together, he shared this story with us. Michael had gone to a conference for camp directors down in Florida and there was another director who's from Florida who was there and they were asked to share uh, the story of their faith with one another and he shared hers with us yesterday um, and I share it with you this morning. She had a really rough home life um, growing up, was taken out of her parents' care at the age of 14 and placed into a group home for children. Um, And in that group home, they had both um, male and female children um, involved in that particular group home. And she met and got connected to another one of the children living there. He was 16 years old, had a rough history just like her um, that had led him become a drug dealer um, when he had been out on the streets. And they, they um, connected and started up a relationship. Um, and they wanted to get out um, because as kids at 14 and 16, we don't always know what is good for us. Amen. 
And so they um, work together to plan a way to escape, to run away from the group home. They connected with another couple that had met there, and the four of them planned um, this escape together. And there was a particular time in the day when the staff were busy in certain places that they had figured out an escape route um, and had this all set up. Um, it was getting close to that time when in walked a woman um, into the children's home. Um, and immediately, uh, the young woman who's at the center of our story recognized her. And the amazing thing is the woman recognized her as well. Um, they, she had been um, a member of the church that this child had attended as a young kid. And so the woman immediately begins to engage her in conversation. She wants to know what's going on, how did she end up here, what the story was, and just, just starts asking her. And so the girl tells her story as quickly as she can um, and tries to wrap up the conversation, but the woman just kept coming with follow-up questions. And, and the girl even, she said, I, I, just, I was itching. I, I knew that it was time to leave. I was itching to get out of this conversation. I was doing everything I could to bring it to a close. I was even doing that thing where you like step away and you know, try to just get people to get the hint, like I'm done talking to you, but she wouldn't let me. She just kept asking. She just kept talking to me. Um, and time passed, and finally, our conversation ended. And as soon as it did, I went to try to find my friends, um, but they weren't there. They had left me. And she said, I've never felt so alone in all my life than in that very moment. And so devastated, she kept moving through uh, the next couple days. Until suddenly, uh, one day, in walks this woman again, which took her by surprise, because it wasn't like she was a regular volunteer. She had just come to drop off donations the church had collected the first time. And so the girl sees her and goes up to her and says, what are you doing here? And the woman says to her, well, I've, I'm here because I've come to take you home. She said, I can't... Um, I can't, I can't afford to do it on my own, but there's five families in the church and we all live in the same school district and we want you to come and live with us and you'll have to move around a little bit, maybe a month at each of our houses at a time, but you'll get to go to the same school and you'll have a home with us. We want to take care of you. And the 14-year-old girl just burst into tears. And in the midst of her tears, she choked out the question, why? Why me? Why do you want to care for me? And the woman responded to her, Me and the five other families, we were there on the day you were baptized. And we promised to be your family. And so we are simply just keeping our promises. Michael had called me getting baptism information all week long leading up to this. He was a little nervous about it. And he's like, okay, so we're doing this in the pool. I said, I've never done an immersion baptism in, in real time, but I took a class in seminary, and we went down to a river, and we got in, so we knew what we were doing. So this is what I can tell you from that experience. And I started explaining to him, and I said, you, you just, you know, you get them on your arm, and you dunk them in, in the name of the Father, and then again of the Son, and then again of the Holy Ghost. And he goes, what? He said, you do it three times? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, not a little excessive? <laughs> 
<laughs> and I said, well, of course it is, Michael. Because God's grace and love is excessive. Amen? And so he took that college student who he and the ministry at Heartland, a ministry we are a part of, in his arms. And he dunked her in that swimming pool three times in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. I baptize you. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is excessive. It is abundant. It is relentless. It knows no bounds. It knows no end. It will keep flowing. It will find a way into the deepest crevices, into the darkest corners. I was reminded of that yet again as I searched out the apartment of the Tefete family earlier this week. You have made it possible for their three children to attend day camp this coming week. And I was on a mission to get them their medical forms and information that they would need for their kids to come to camp this Monday. They live in the apartments directly across from Central Elementary where the children go to school. As I was searching for apartment number 42, I wandered on foot from building to building until at the very back of the complex I found theirs. And as I went inside, I followed the signs that led me down the steps to the bottom level and down a dark, damp hallway to knock on a thin particle board door located right next to the building's basement laundry room. When the door opened, I was greeted by the Tefete's oldest daughter in a brightly lit and colorful living area that was at the heart of this family's home. She welcomed me in and called her father, who greeted me warmly. I showed him the forms, explained what I needed to, shared how excited we were to have his three kids joining us in the coming week, and then began to make my exit. He hesitated just a moment and then asked me if I might have time for a cup of tea, a little something to eat, a chance to visit. I was instantly transported back to other living rooms in other countries I have visited. El Salvador, Guatemala, Brazil, Zambia, and immediately recognized the hospitality that was customary in those foreign lands. I would love a cup of tea, I responded, and was invited into this family's home. As we sat over warm cups of tea and slices of Italian bread, I asked Mr. Tefete to share with me some of his story. He and his family immigrated from Ethiopia 18 months ago after waiting a long wait to receive a visa to come here. He shared with me that back in his home he had been an evangelist, um, a person who would go out and share the gospel um, into the countryside, into the tribal areas um, in Ethiopia. They had put together a film he called the Jesus Movie, and they would take it around and show it. And he would drive the van with all the equipment and the other people on his team that would go to show uh, this Jesus Movie in different locations around the countryside of Ethiopia. One day they had driven 200 miles from the town uh, where he and his family lived um, to do just this. And they had gotten the video all set up and were ready. People had gathered and they were getting ready to show it. 
And then suddenly a group from the Orthodox Church, the Ethiopian Coptic Church, who was threatened by the presence of uh, the Protestant um, Christians who had come into town, they attacked. They attacked Mr. Tefete and his team and the people who had gathered to see this movie. In the midst of that attack, uh, Tefete was hit with a stone on the back of his head um, and knocked out cold for 15 or 20 minutes while the chaos ensued around them. Local police finally came and shot a gun that got everybody to scatter his team and him. The screen had been ripped. Um, things had been destroyed. They gathered up the pieces. Once he was well enough to be able to drive the 200 miles home, they got back in the van and headed home where he was hospitalized uh, to recover from his injuries. As soon as they could, as soon as they could get new equipment, as soon as he um, was recovered enough, they got back in that van with the Jesus movie once more and made that 200-mile journey again. And this time, with police protection at their side, uh, they gathered that community once more and showed this film and shared the gospel with the people gathered there. He told me with a smile on his face that it was just two years later that that community invited him back to preach at the celebration that they were having for the new church that had grown in that place. And he said what a joy it was to come and deliver God's word to them once more. Today his work continues an ocean away at an Ethiopian church that is formed here in the metro area, preaching in his native language at their service each Sunday afternoon. He shared with me that he prays for the many other regions and tribes in Ethiopia who have not yet heard the gospel and hopes to return to continue that work one day. In Ethiopia, Mr. Tefete was a social worker with a master's degree who ran an economic development program for impoverished women. Now he works in a warehouse here, picking out shirts ordered online so that they can be packed and shipped to their new owners. He is doing that work to make ends meet until he can learn English well enough to find a job in social work here. His family doesn't have much as they are just getting established here, but despite all of that, he spoke with such gratitude about what they do have. It is because of you that his kids will get to come to camp next week and be immersed in the love and grace their father is so committed to sharing as well. The grace of the Lord Jesus, it is relentless. In each of these stories we have encountered today, we have seen times when the church and its people have worked against it, been an obstacle to its flow in the world, and we have witnessed times when the church and its people have been a vessel, a conduit for it in the world. Yet through it all, what is clear is the grace of our Lord Jesus. It is relentless. It is abundant. It is excessive. It knows no bounds. It knows no end. It will keep flowing. It will find a way into the deepest crevices, into the darkest corners, either despite of us, or because of us. My hope and my prayer is that more often than not, it is because of us, not despite of us. 
What does it take to be saved? The grace of the Lord Jesus. Who belongs? Everyone. What is our purpose? To share the grace of our Lord Jesus in any and every way that we can with everyone we meet. Who are we? We are the church of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ's grace at work in the world, this world, that Christ so dearly loves. Oh Lord, may it be so. Would you pray it with me? Oh Lord, may it be so. Amen.